Welcome to episode 59 of Reading Between the Reels. I'm Craig Dickinson. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're a new listener, we're so glad you found us. If you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us. Send a tweet, post to Facebook, write a review on your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. Today on the show, we are relaunching Reading Between the Reels with a discussion of our top 10 movie sequels. And I would like to officially announce two new co-hosts of the show. We've been hearing Corey Heitschmidt for a while. Corey is back. How's it going, Corey? Good. Uh, welcome to be here. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. Corey's officially on board. And joining us today, Justin Eldon. Hello. Happy to do this. There you go. Uh, full disclosure, um, we're all teachers. And uh, Justin and I work together on a daily basis. So uh, we've had several movie discussions. All three of us actually have had several movie discussions. And it's just kind of a natural uh, outgrowth of that that we do it on the show. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start with our list of top 10 movie sequels of all time. And the uh, first question I have for you guys, just real quick, is are your lists in any particular order? Are they like 10 is your least favorite, one is your top or random or what? Uh, for mine, it was far too complicated to figure out what is my favorite and why it's my favorite for different reasons. So I'm just going to kind of cool. No particular order. Okay. I've got mine arranged one through ten, Ooh. but my seven, eight, nine could jumble at any given moment. Yeah, depending Ooh, on see, how I'm I misunderstood the assignment. See, I need to reorder this now. <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I told you guys specifically. I there's no criteria. I want to just do this as naturally as we can. So, uh, Justin, why don't we start with you? What is uh, your first lit? Your first top ten movie sequel? Okay, so maybe this one might actually be first, and this might. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and do this in some sort of an order. Um, I love Toy Story. Grew up watching Toy Story. Grew up with the strong idea that my toys might actually be alive. Um, prove me wrong. Uh, so I'm going to say sequel. I took that term kind of liberally. I'm going to I'm going to say like trilogy in this case. Toy Story two and three, just like solid movie sequels slash trilogy. Uh, great complete story. Super emotional ending. If you don't cry, you probably don't have a heart. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm just going to throw some shade here at the end. Toy Story 4 is irrelevant and does not need to exist. Okay. Yeah, that's a spoiler alert. That's coming later in the show. All I right. love Toy Story 3. I bawled harder at Toy Story 3 than I have for most movies. Yeah. Twice. Two points yeah. in that movie that make you cry like crazy. In front of your okay, kids. What, what's, your, what's your first one? The first part's when they're all going down into the... Sliding down into the inferno. Oh yeah, I mean sure. I'm there, and they accept their fate. I just I'm tearing up. Like this is it. And then, then they get saved by the claw. And then the last part where he says "So long, partner." I still tear up just thinking about that scene. Oh, I got goosebumps right now. That part at the end, yeah, where where uh, Andy like uh, passes the torch. No longer has the toys. Gives it. I forget the little girl's name, but gives it to the little girl. I'm just like, oh man, that's my childhood. What happened? <laughs> that movie. I'm tearing up right now. It's a good pick, Justin. All right, Corey. What about you? Give me your first uh, first sequel. All right, my top sequel, top one, Top Gun Maverick. I had to go there. Okay. Because that movie is so iconic. That movie. What they accomplished, bringing back a character from 30, oh goodness, this is almost 40 years ago, making this movie, bringing it back and pulling off such a great movie, rave reviews, everybody involved, top-notch acting, again, crying in the movie when uh, Top uh, Maverick is talking to Iceman, and so that whole movie, the whole way they put that together everything they did top gun maverick showed that you can take a character that is loved from one part and bring them back in a movie and still make it relevant still make it updated and still make it an incredible movie nice yeah that's on my list too i mean my list is is uh 10 to 1 and that's that's my number three so we'll get there i'll mention that again but yeah like i thought you were gonna, there's lots of very emotional moments in that movie for me it's the it's at the end where, uh, where Maverick says to Rooster, thanks for saving my life. And Rooster says, that's what my dad would have done. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great flick. That's how you do a legacy sequel, in my opinion. 
my uh, my top ten, uh, starting at number ten, is Rocky three. Uh, I love all the Rocky movies, I, I, even Rocky five. But uh, for Rocky three, I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, when you're a kid, it's you know it's the Eye of the Tiger one and Mr. T, and and those are still great things. But watching it as an adult, going back through and and seeing, really, it's kind of a deconstruction of the character too, where he finds out that you know Mickey's been shielding him this whole time. You know that his legacy is kind of suspect because Mickey has just been keeping like real challengers from him until Clubber Lang shows up, and then he kind of has to re establish himself you know and then of course mickey dies and you have the the training with apollo creed and just an amazing roller coaster of a film uh and i think still holds up and not obviously the soundtrack's amazing i think too with that film is uh if you watch it i've noticed this if you watch it at different life stages like i I watched it when i was younger i watched it after i got married i watched it uh, after i have kids and like it hits very differently like you notice very different themes but all of them are equally strong. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great that's a great thing to point out. They do hit differently. You watch Rocky Three now versus ten years ago versus twenty years ago. They all have a very different feel. Mm-hmm. So Justin, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, I was not actually introduced to Blade Runner in all of its versions. Blade Runner, <laughs> the original. Yeah until like relatively later in life, uh, later in life for me, I'm, I'm in my thirties, but I was introduced in my mid twenties to Blade Runner. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. How have I not seen this? This is everything I love. It's Harrison Ford. It's sci-fi. It's gritty. This is amazing. Um, and then I felt like Blade Runner 2049, uh, did a sequel, like a legacy sequel, which is kind of a hard thing to pull off. Um, about as good as you can do just, uh, the cinematography, like the soundtrack, the way they incorporate the old and the new characters. They have their own story while still like having an appropriate amount of callback to the original story. Um, and it still still keeps you guessing. Uh, you're still wondering whether or not, at least for me, I know there are different versions and different theories here. Maybe we're going to get some discussion on this, but uh, you're still guessing whether or not... Um, Ford's character is a replicant at the end. Like it does, it doesn't definitively answer that question, which has kind of been the argument since Blade Runner has been out from what I understand. Um, no, it just gives me the feels. It's a, it's a good one. Beautifully made. Yeah. I, I enjoy that too. We, we watched a little bit of that together last year and that was the first time I had seen it. And, and I'm a huge fan of, of Denny Villeneuve. I have been since, well, really since Dune, I've seen some of his other stuff and I, I saw Blade Runner 2049 after that. Um, but it is a beautiful movie. And I, and I do have to say that I also appreciated the fact that they didn't definitively say if Deckard was a replica. Deckard. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Yeah, I, I think I, I walked into uh, your room while you were watching it and you paused it so we could have a discussion. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Unpause. <laughs> we're watching this. Yes. Just enjoy. I, I love it when movies do that, where they leave it to the audience to make your decision. Like when is Deckard a, re- a replicant? Or... But I also hate it when they do that too. Like, just tell me, tell me, I want the answer. But at the same time, don't tell me and let me decide how I want the story to end. Yeah. Well, I think if, if I, I might get corrected on this, but I think Ridley Scott has come out and given a definitive answer. But then several of his versions uh, contradict that answer. Yeah. So it's it's all it's all up in the air at this point. Yeah. Well, then when you read what they say, if they give a definitive answer like that, then you read it and you go. Yeah, I don't like that answer. No, (laughs) you already made the movie. You don't get to say after the fact. Yeah, that's it. All right, Corey, what about you? What's your next sequel? Number two, my number two, Captain America: Civil War. That movie, I think, is perfection. The way they bring back that entire all-star cast. This is where we see Marvel absolutely pulling no punches, uh, even though. Wanda says you're pulling your punches. Uh, absolutely no, pulling no punches. Everybody's in there. The whole lineup of of just legends from the Marvel phase, uh, the last phase, and it's just an incredible movie, top to bottom. I think it it shows some of the struggles I think you would have with superheroes, which I think makes it a little more relevant. I think the Snyderverse does a great job with that as well, but I think Marvel Civil War did that to kind of present. If our government had superheroes, what would they try and do? What would they try and 
power struggles and pull, you know, left and right? How would they, how would they try and get involved? And it makes it more complex, more complicated. And then the dividing, you would even divide your team and then they have to battle. And the way they kept Spider-Man out of the, uh, the trailers, little deceptive, uh, trailers that they were putting out where we didn't see Spider-Man in it. And then he's in the final airport scene plays a big role. So I think it's just great that whole marketing for it and that movie. Absolutely. I would, I would also, so, oh no, sorry. No, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. So I'd side note to that. I would argue that the Spider-Man given to us in civil war is the best MCU Spider-Man. He's, he's perfectly quippy. Uh, just the right amount and just the right amount of like, I'm in the action, but also like, Oh, I'm going to like be surprised by your middle arm. And I'm going to talk about like what your wings are made out. Like it's, he's so great in that he's top notch Spider-Man. Absolutely. So speaking of Spider-Man, my next one, I was waiting for that segue. Uh, Spider-Man two is speaking of perfection i it's it still holds up i mean the, the everything with doc ock is amazing the, the train sequence uh yeah just i mean losing his powers and and, and gaining them back that whole journey it, it it's such a great film and and you know to come out two year only two years after the original one is, is kind of amazing how much they just kind of pumped that up and you know Tobey Maguire was almost not in that movie because of you know back injury which is referenced quite hilariously in in, in no way home um, I think probably the best villain, best way they've, the best Spider-Man villain that they've done, uh, theatrically, um, just, yeah, hero's journey, continuing with that, you know, getting, having to choose whether he's, he's Spider-Man instead of just having it thrust upon him, I think is, is fantastic. The web, so, he has a web block <laughs> in that one. Yeah. Did all three of us have that on our list? Absolutely. That was my yeah. third pick was Spider-Man okay. two. Yeah. yeah. And can I just say how well that movie holds up to yeah. a 2022 CGI standard? Yep. It holds up incredibly well. Mm-hmm. All right, Justin, what's uh, what's your next sequel? All right. Um, so, I mean, I have a lot of like Disney movies on here. I, I promise I'm a full grown adult with full grown. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, okay. So I really like the Lion King 2. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, man okay i'm getting looks here that's fine the the lion king 2 has just got the animation is not quality as you often see in sequel or you used not so much anymore but you used to see pretty poor quality in like disney sequels uh so so the animation is not great but the voice acting as well as the songs if you haven't seen it it's really good um just so many so many good one-liners in there um I don't have a whole lot to say about that other than I, I like it. Maybe my list is just full of nostalgia. Oh no. no okay, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Great, great movie. I love it. See, this is why I wanted the three of us because we're going to have some different perspectives. That's good. Variety is the spice of life, Justin. But see, some of that perspective comes from a different pers- time of life and what we're doing. You have yeah. young kids. I have young kids. So is Craig. We're all watching some of these movies and then we're caught off like, oh, that was a great story. That's a great character. Oh no, my kids have never seen Lion King 2. I <laughs> I just like the movie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> yeah, we watched it just earlier today. Yeah. Totally. Me and the kids. Ah, perfect. Um, Corey, what's your next one? My next one. I'm going to go where no man has gone before. I'm going to go with Star Trek. Uh, the reboot, Star Trek 2 Into Darkness. Oh. Where Khan... Ben, Benedict Ooh. Cumberbatch plays Khan. I absolutely love this movie. I think it is a top cast. I and you know some people some people don't like it, but I think the whole alternate timeline is a great way to kind of do a soft reboot. You get the same characters, you've got the same story, we've accepted where they're from, but now we get to take it into a nice different timeline. We don't have to be held to some of the previous stuff. We can kind of reimagine. You even bring Spock in to do a little pass the torch. And so we've got new adventures, new stories, and we can have some new writing with some modern twists on it. And we don't have to be held back to the old standards and the old stories. So it's a soft reboot, a soft sequel, kind of so to say, but it's but it's in the timeline. It's in it's in everything you can do. So 
So I think that is absolutely incredible. I love Khan in there. I think Benedict Cumberbatch nails that role so well. Yeah, he is truly scary. Uh, that scene where he's where he's talking to um, Kirk while he's while he's imprisoned. That is like a terrifying conversation that they're having. Just like the amount of visceral hatred he he ejects through his yeah. language is just it's good it's good stuff this is fascinating and i really thought you were going to call my next one Corey. but but i actually have i have star trek to the wrath of khan as my next one wow. which is a far superior film to the one you just mentioned <laughs> well in my, in my opinion um cry havoc and let's let's slip the dogs of war ricardo maltavon is so good and the fact that he and shatner do not actually share physical space at all in the film Hmm. is amazing like it's all over the video screen when they're talking to each other it's you know it's it's that cast at the height of its powers it's you know it's the funniest that spock has ever been like intentionally so like he's funny in in star trek 4 just because he's just you know fish out of water uh, type of thing but you know, the thing about lying and overestimating and that thing, the conversation with Savick about how he gets around uh, actually telling the truth and not telling the truth is, is one of my favorite things. Of course, the, you know, the yell is fantastic. And just the way he, you know, that Kirk is not as smart as Khan, but he's more experienced, right? So he figures out, he knows how to shut off the shields and they go into the nebula and all of that stuff. You know, it becomes basically a submarine movie. And the score for that film is is just off the charts great. See, and that's where I think Into Darkness kind of adds to that also. Like if you take a look where the two do share screen time and they do have a little bit more interaction beyond just over the, the communication. So I I but I love I love Ricardo Montalban too. So, yeah. you know, that was a great that's a great pick. Yeah. We're both we're both picking good ones there. And that's that's fine. Uh Justin, what's your next one? Um, so this is probably a popular opinion here, but, uh, dark Knight. Yeah. So, that's my number one. Yeah. I, I don't think that could avoid anyone's list. I mean, what, there's not much to say about that film that hasn't already been said. I'm sure. Um, obviously an amazing portrayal of the Joker. Um, just the whole movie, it shows, uh, Batman's genius, his, uh, fighting capabilities, shows his ability to like rely on the city of Gotham itself. Like it, it, to me, it it encompasses like who and what Batman is while pitting him against the best version of, of his villain. And just so many lines from, from the Joker in that one. Uh, What's the one? Uh, It's not about the money that that line where he just burns the pile of money. That's amazing. I I think of that daily as I burn piles of money. (laughs) Metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically. Yes. No, it it's a perfect film in my opinion. Um, the the so much of it's shot in IMAX too, which which is amazing to watch even at home. The 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 scene where uh, Batman shows up and, and takes down the truck, you know the 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 the, the tumbler explodes and the <laughs> and the uh, the bat pod shoots out of there and that that whole sequence and then flips the truck over. It's just one long you know practically shot too like yeah, it's not how cgi much mm-hmm. uh but for me the thing the ending is the thing that sets that movie apart the fact that nolan was brave enough to just say you know what i'm gonna make batman the bad guy at the end of this and not really having firm plans to make another movie it was just like this is just a great way to end the film and every time gary oldman does that speech at the end i get chills with the music and everything oh that little like a tone poem it's so great yeah I don't think we've, I don't even think any Joker that we have at this point rivals Heath Ledger's. No. I, I would make the argument that all but one Joker has been amazing in every portrayal. <laughs> um, but I think Heath Ledger is definitely at the at the top of that. But we, we have had some amazing Jokers, but yeah, Ledger takes the cake. Yeah. So that was a Jared Leto diss? Is that what that, that was? That was a Jared Leto diss, but I didn't, uh, I didn't. <laughs> Didn't know how spicy we wanted to get on this on this podcast. Hey, that's fine. He's so much I, better in Justice League, though. And he, and he's Jared Leto Joker. I was not a fan of until I got to the dark view of the future in the Snyderverse 
that little scene where Batman goes into the apocalyptic future. Then I That's, liked Jared Leto. I did not like him any other time. Yeah, in that one individual scene, he was fine. <laughs> and then... Yeah, no, we're, 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 I think we'll all stipulate that Heath Ledger's performance is, is better than Jared yeah, Leto's. We'll keep over, it positive. Overall. Okay. Um, Corey, what's your next one? All right. I'm going to go with Spider-Man No Way Home. I think this is an incredible... I, I didn't realize looking up all this before, kind of just doing a little bit of research and some sequels that I've seen, I didn't realize there were so many types and, and sequel categories for things. But when you think of this, this is that legacy sequel, which is where you get characters to return to their old favorites with original stars returning in their iconic roles. And to see three Spider-Men... No matter who your favorite is, to see your three Spider-Men on the screen together, web-slinging, all jumping at the same time and screaming, and having small interactions where, for example, web-shooters, where we finally get to address <laughs> organic web-shooters versus, you know, chemical web-shooters that they make, and having to have that conversation, and then just the little conversation of, so, let's talk about your web situation, Yeah, you know, and... The whole pointing meme that they were able to give us at the same time. And so I think you look, it is a legacy fan favorite. Here you go. We've been fans on this whole ride through all these characters, all these reboots. We get them in one movie together. I could go see another Spider-Man multiverse movie, bring in Miles Morales, and I I would go watch that movie two, three, four times in a theater because it's so great. Yeah, and I, I just love the the open secret of you know Toby and and Andrew being in the film, and Andrew Garfield just lying his butt off, <laughs> yeah. the and, extreme and denial. For so months great! That... And I just remember seeing that because you, you knew they were going to be in it because they brought their villains back. It's like if they don't, and I remember having this conversation with several people. If they don't bring back Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield, this is just it's just leaving money on the table. That's just stupid if they don't. Yeah, it'd been, and then when Andrew Garfield shows up. I looked over at my wife, Jody, in the theater and was like, he has been lying for like six months. Oh, yeah. He was not in his film. Flat but I was line. so excited because he's far and away my favorite Spider-Man. So it was just great to have him back and to get that payoff with, you know, the Gwen Stacy callback to and you know, he dives down and saves Zendaya. And, um, yeah, I mean, that movie did fan service right. Like it wasn't over the top with fan service, but it did give you everything that you wanted. It was also nice that I feel like they gave – semi equal screen time to all of uh, to to both uh Toby and Garfield. Yep. Yeah. Um instead of just like, you know, focusing on one of them and they they all, they both have their chance to shine with their own respective personalities. Um and then yeah, obviously like the Gwen callback there. Um Yeah, fan, fantastic. It, there's a part of me that hopes for a Venom Andrew Garfield crossover sequel to now be made. That's what I'm hoping for because he's mm-hmm. the only one that hasn't fought an alien alien. So they can put him in <laughs> Andrew Garfield says, universe. I want to fight an alien. <laughs> All right. Speaking of aliens, um, my next one is also a superhero movie, Superman two. And uh, you know, there's, there's two great versions of this film. And I don't know if have you guys seen the, the Richard Donner cut. No. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about this next week because next week we're, we're doing Superman or not next week, but the next episode. But Superman 2 um, is still, in my opinion, one of the greatest superhero sequels ever. I mean, and as far as upping the stakes, it pays off things from the first movie. You have, you know, just that little prologue at the beginning of Superman, the movie with Zod and his two henchmen uh, and henchwoman. And then uh, they come back in the second one. And so now Superman has to fight three Kryptonians that are just as strong as he is, uh, you know, and then he you know, gives up his powers before he, he knows that they're back. And, and then he has to get his powers back somehow. And he tricks the, the Kryptonians and Lex Luthor's back and just a great way to up the stakes. It's still, I think it still holds up story-wise. I mean, some of the special effects are, are a little bit dated at this point, but I think the story is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And the Donner cut, if you haven't seen it is, um, is even more, more so that some of the special effects again, because they had to kind of patch that thing together to make it actually fit Richard Donner's um, vision. But the story is is even that and more, even that much heavier and, and uh, just more interesting, I think. 
All right. So, uh, Justin, what's your next one? Um, I don't know if this counts as a sequel, but I'm going to count it. Uh, Logan. I absolutely love Logan. Yeah. Like, yep. Growing up watching the 90s X-Men cartoon, uh, being so into the X-Men movies when they came out, they were kind of hit and miss. But Logan, I think, is just the absolute perfect send-off, which apparently isn't a send-off for Hugh Jackman, (laughs) because it turns out he's coming back in Deadpool 3. But at the time, it was a send-off. It was just, it was like emotional you you loved Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in that, and you were so sad to like see, at least for me, like to to what he had become, what Professor Xavier had become, what had become of the X Men. Uh, we finally got our rated R uh, Wolverine movie that we needed. I remember even as a kid watching, uh, I think it was X Men, it was X Men Two, mm-hmm. and like watching Wolverine tear through some of those. Uh, military guys and like never was there any blood i'm just like you know i'm only like 14 years old but i'm pretty sure there should be more gore here um and i I feel like logan we we got that without the excess uh it was yeah just that was a fantastic movie Uh, cried cried in that movie not as much as toy story but definite (laughs) tears that's i need need more hugh jackman as wolverine well Well, looks like a little more i know yeah yeah, great play. That's a good pick. Definitely a good sequel. Corey, what's your next one? I'm going to go with something a little off the wall, a little less less known. It's a different category that I appreciate for types of sequels, and it's going to be a spiritual sequel. What that means is this is a category where it has no direct connection to a previous story. However, it's got a lot of the main characters or the main stars they want to return. Sometimes they play the same characters. Sometimes they play the same type of story. And so uh, I'm going to say Fierce Creatures is one of my favorites. Now, Fierce Creatures is a spiritual sequel to A Fish Called Wanda. Right. And so spiritual, it's, it's, it's where it's the same filmmakers, some of the same actors. I mean, they're all the same actors. They have the same type of triangle, love triangle going on that they had in Fish Called Wanda. Um, but it's just a different role. And so it's a way of you get a sequel, but not the same story. And not the same characters, but you get the same feel of, of what you had before. The same comedy, the same jokes, the same hits. And uh, Kevin Klein, John Cleese, um, I, I think I think they're just amazing in this when they do this movie. Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, they're just incredible. I had to do some quick Googling because I have never heard of that movie nor its sequel or prequel. I nev- never heard. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. It's got a lot of quotable things in it that happen. And so it's it's just one of those guilty pleasure movies that I like. I'm a comedy buff. I love the comedies. And so I, I'm throwing that in there because it's a different category than most of what we have. There, That's nice. That's I think I've seen a lot of comedies on here. Yeah. No. I think I've seen A Fish Called Wanda once, and I have not seen Fierce Creatures. But I do love me some John Cleese so, and, and Kevin Klein. So I, I could uh, definitely check that out. My next one is James Cameron's Aliens which is a fantastic film that absolutely still holds up. And Justin doesn't think it does hold up. That's wrong, dude. It's amazing. I, hey, we, this is an audio podcast. If I make <laughs> facial expressions, you cannot comment on that I, to the listeners. That's not fair. All right. That's so between here's the thing. you and me. Alien Ridley Scott's alien is a perfect movie. In my opinion. Agreed. It is the definitive, yeah. you know, horror sci-fi film, sci-fi horror film. And so to follow that up at all is a giant risk. And I think it was a brilliant move by James Cameron to just turn it in. actually into now it's a sci-fi war movie, right? To not try and directly follow up what Alien was, but to kind of turn it on its head a little bit. And so uh, there was a story I read recently where part of his pitch was he flipped over the script and wrote the word alien and then wrote a dollar sign after the N. <laughs> and that's partly how the movie got made. Yeah, it's like it. we just put another one. I mean, what a great title. We just add another S. There's more of them now. But just the fact that you're sending in like, you know, Marines fully armed. Before it was just like they, they had like homemade, you know, scrap, scrap together flamethrowers and cattle prods and stuff to try and take down an alien. Now they've got, you know, latest military equipment and they're still getting slaughtered. Uh, but an incredible, speaking of quotable movies, I mean, everything Bill Paxton says, um, is 
<laughs> is hilarious. Game over. Um, Game over. Michael Bean is fantastic. Um, and Sigourney Weaver is just amazing. Like, uh, <laughs> you guys are making me laugh. I love Sigourney Weaver in this movie so much. And her transformation um, from the first time we see her in Alien to where she's at at the end of Aliens is some amazing character development. Okay, so I understand I am going to be in the great minority with this opinion here. I understand that most people really like Aliens. I I dislike that movie for all of the reasons you mentioned that you liked it. <laughs> like, it's so different from the first one. Like, to me, it, it feels like such a different genre. Um, and then I cannot... I feel bad because he's died but i cannot stand bill paxton's character oh. in that movie every time he opens his mouth i'm like oh please let a xenomorph kill this man oh. like let him die no oh, just the, the, his tone of voice something about it's like nails on a chalkboard so and it good. just seems so overacted craig i'm glad you have your opinion but i disagree oh man he's so good and paul reiser is the bad guy and just that slick slimy guy oh man so good Maybe well, I need and to rewatch you know, it. You know who was great in that movie is Michael Bean as well. Yeah. We've talked about him multiple times Hicks. in the last yeah, couple podcasts. Yeah, fantastic. I love that guy. I think he's a great actor. I think he's great in that role too. All right, Justin. So what's your next one then? Okay, see, this is bad because I just dissed on yours, <laughs> which was Aliens. Yep. Yeah. And I'm going to bring up probably one of the more disliked movies of that franchise, <laughs> Prometheus. <laughs> I really like Prometheus. I know it is deeply flawed in terms of like the overall alien universe or whatever it is, um, or shared movie universe, I guess. Um, Story-wise, it's got its issues, but something about it, like most of the cinematography, I, I think I would say, is just it's it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a gorgeous movie. Um, I feel like uh, Michael Fassbender's performance in that is spot on as well. Like he probably steals that movie. Um, and we finally get to kind of see the origin of how some of that stuff started to happen within that universe. Uh, pretty, pretty solid. I, I understand that's a prequel, but I'm going to, I'm going to count it because it still came out after yeah. alien. And then I'm going to piggyback off that one and then say, uh, alien covenant. I really enjoyed that one too. Again, yeah. deeply flawed, but I liked it. I love both those movies. I, yeah, and you're right. They're they're gorgeous, and Fastbender is amazing. The, the cast in that first one too, like uh, in Prometheus. I mean, Ildris Elba's in there. Um, who who's who plays the heroine in that? I can't remember her name. Uh, Naomi, I can't say her last name. She's she's Rupees? fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Charlie like, Theron's in there. There's just a ton of uh, like really great character actors. That it's, like the guy that plays Wong is in there. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Oh, he yeah, he is. He's one of the um, pilots. So many people that you'd recognize are in that film. Mm-hmm. It's a good film. I, I like that film. I have no problem with that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on with Prometheus in terms of like the goo and what the goo can do and why people would <laughs> interact with that snake thing that like rips the guy's arm. It's like, why would you touch that, man? It's obviously like I didn't need the scary music to know that that thing was going to rip your arm I off. Told like, you that was bad. Uh, you, yeah, you, and wasn't that guy like an expert in in animals or yeah. something? Anyway. There's a lot of stupid decisions by the cast in, in you know both what? those movies, but I don't care. Horror movie, or uh, I guess like sci-fi thriller movies wouldn't exist without stupid decisions. So. Right. so the movie can happen. So the movie can happen. Corey, what's your next one? All right. I'm going to go with an oldie but a goodie. I'm going to go with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, I think is a nice. great capper to the trilogy. And when it ended, I think it was a great comic surprise. Two legends, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery sharing the screen. Um, some of the antics they get up to, <clears throat> I think Steven Spielberg, this whole trilogy he has is absolutely incredible. I love Indiana Jones, the last crusade. I think it's great. Um, I think it's an endearing movie that kind of goes with very much with the Raiders of the lost Ark theme and not so much the temple of doom. And so I think you get more of that, um, archaeology dig into it and he's you know reading the signs looking for the you know looking for the the cup of christ so i i think the way they play that whole thing out is absolutely great i think you cannot you cannot ask for a better ending of a sequel trilogy than yeah you, you get back into like the world war ii feel of it as well the nazis and yeah yeah 
Well, and they and they do a great job of of bringing those in and um, as a side story, as everything's off to the side. We know we know the villains, we know who they are, and you know they're moving through them, and he calls them the Lions Den, and so there's there's some great scenes in there, and Sean Connery just kind of unwittingly, you know, getting them into some <laughs> hijinks, you know, is, is, is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. So would you say, uh, this is an unfair question, but do you like the last crusade more than Raiders? That's a tough, is that, pick. is that true? Is that treasonous yes. to even ask that question? Yes. Because here's you why if Indiana Jones had done nothing in Raiders the ending would have still been the same. Oh, don't. No, let's not go down. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> no, okay, Indiana, well, there's no movie. Okay, there's so no put, movie. A pin, put a pin in that because we're going to do Raiders. Okay. We'll do Raiders no, down I, the line right right before the next one. I think I think uh, Last Crusade is probably the best one that they put out so far. That's right. I mean, it's a good film. It's a really good film. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. My next one is Captain America, the Winter Soldier, mm. which I will argue with anybody that is this still the best MCU movie they've ever made. True, true statement. I think it is just the tightest plot. It's, it's just, it's amazing. The twist with not, not, in, not even just counting like the, the Hydra uh, twist, which was great. And I did not see that coming at all, but just, uh, I think it's the best portrayal of Cap that we've had just to see his powers, like the whole opening sequence, you know, was he wearing a parachute? No, he was not. And him running down, running over the, uh, the deck of the ship and just throwing the shield and just taking out guys in like two seconds. Um, just the definitive Cap movie, in, in my opinion, his, his discussion with, with Fury about, you know, this isn't freedom. This is, this is fear. Um, all of that. It just feels to me like it is the best MCU movie. I feel like you really start to appreciate uh, Captain America as well, too, because in the Avengers, he seems very outclassed by the rest of his team. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you got you got Hawkeye and Black Widow in there, <laughs> but um, but in, in in terms of like the heavy hitters, he's pretty outclassed. But in that, you really see where he shines. Like he's not just a superhero with superpowers; he's more of like a symbol where people are willing to follow him because yeah, of what like- he believes in and who he is. That great speech that he has, you know, that's a speech I actually used that when I, when I taught high school, uh, cause it uses empathy and it uses like all the persuasive techniques that you're supposed to use in a speech. He uses all of them. It's such a great speech. Yeah, absolutely. And Nick Fury dies kind of, but he doesn't. That's fight this, oh, yeah. the, the fight in the street and like, it, it didn't matter that you already knew that Bucky was coming back. Of course we all knew that. Like, but, uh, if you hadn't seen that, I suppose that'd be a pretty amazing twist. <laughs> I also think it, it, it gets right to the point, too, where I, I think sometimes Marvel movies will get crushed under the weight of their own greatness. Like, there are so many things going on, so many plot lines to keep track of and character arcs. That movie is perfectly situated to handle all of that without taking right. on too much. Yeah. It's not setting up the next film. Yeah. 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 All right, Justin, what's your next one? All right, um, I'm going to go with, and maybe this is one that I have been watching with my kids. Uh, my kids have recently started discovering the Home Alone movies and uh, Home Alone 2. <laughs> like Home Alone 1 is is amazing. Almost a perfect, probably a perfect film, I would say. Uh, but Home Alone 2 is a very good sequel. I don't think it's perfect, but it's, it's certainly up there. It has like just enough of a new story feel that they weren't trying to completely copy the original, but also just enough throwbacks to the original um, to make you you feel like, okay, this is like the same feeling of a movie. Um, just just a great, great feel-good, happy movie all around. Yeah, the um, scene um, with unless the, you're the criminals. That yeah, the happy. scene with the bricks, when he takes like three or four bricks to the face, Daniel Stern does, that just slays me. I'm just dying. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's slapstick. Yeah, and if it's you, a cartoon. If you, if you don't appreciate that, like watch it with a kid and you're like, oh, okay, okay. Like now I see, I see. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah I used to hate those movies when I was a kid because I was really? like, that's so fake. <laughs> and then I finally realized if you just watch them like it's a cartoon, then you're fine. And then I'll, ever since then, I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, the, the part where um, 
the the taller villain i don't remember his name but where he's messing with like the washer and dryer and he gets shocked and like you see a skeleton for a moment yeah um my son would be so mad if he heard me say this he peed his pants in that moment <laughs> like literally he's like dad i have to go to the bathroom he ran to the bed ba- and like he did not make it he was laughing so hard <laughs> classic yeah that's that's pretty great and that's a feel-good movie too you know the, the lady with the pigeons and stuff too like it's got enough of a heart to it as well mm. That it's not just overly silly. When I was a kid, I did not know that was a lady. Yeah. Thought it was a man the entire movie. That's okay. Mm. It's very surprised. All right, Corey, what's your next one? My next one is Creed. Creed, continuing okay. the seventh installment in the Rocky series. When uh, Adonis Johnson, Apollo Creed's son, comes in. And uh, I think... I think that is just a great movie. Sets it up to where now I need sequels in Creed's storyline. But you also bring in Rocky into it. I don't think you could have have that start without him. Um, now he's in the trainer role. Um, I think I think Creed is such a well-done movie. I think Creed 2 is fantastic. Makes me just look forward to Creed 3. And to seeing how you... Are you going to take this character and have him mirror some of the same things that Rocky went through? So like you said, Rocky three was your favorite. So does that mean Creed's going to lose against uh, kind of a clubber laying son in, in this next one? I mean, he's clubber laying son in Creed three, right? Is what I thought. Uh, I, I mean, I remember that being a rumor. I'm not sure if that's, that's been confirmed. Well, or not. So, I, you know, I, so I'm trying to stay kind of spoiler free from that, but I, I don't know. Yeah. But it, so it, just, it just makes me wonder, you know, sometimes you see how, things do mirror through different generations. And so I, th- I think it's a great way to, to sequel into a character, but then also the next generation, how that's going to look. So, and to kind of fade out Rocky story and fade in the, the Rocky legacy. Yeah. Stallone's amazing in that movie. He, he really, I, I know he got nominated uh, for an Oscar for that, but uh, I think he was, he was fantastic in that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that film in a couple of weeks as well. Um, down the line when get ready for Creed three. Uh, but it did. That's also kind of a reboot at the same time. Like it kind of reboots and it's kind of a remake also of Rocky in a lot of ways, as well as a sequel it kind of fits a lot of different categories. Uh, my next one is Terminator two judgment day, which I am almost, I'm a little embarrassed to say that when I heard this movie was coming out, I was like, why? Because Terminator one ends, I think, in, in a really in a great way where they didn't need a sequel. So this for me, it had a little bit of catching up to do. Like it had to kind of impress me and it just blew me away. I remember seeing this in the theater with my dad and it was just like, this is amazing. This is again, I think a perfect movie. Um, even so, I mean, they spoil the fact that Arnold's coming back as a good guy in the trailer, which is okay. And it's just great to see him back almost playing the same character they played from the first movie and to see like Linda Hamilton try and, you know, deal with that. And then of course you get to see the relationship with him and John and, and, and then T-800 kind of becoming human and, and very quotable movie, obviously uh, great ending uh, to that film as well. Just in, you know, top of the line, special effects, Robert Patrick as a T-1000, just a great movie. Yeah, those special effects, uh, speaking of movies that still hold up today, like that T-1000, a lot of that I feel is pretty solid. Uh, it's funny because he's liquid. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, great film. So this was that was listed as one of the categories as a retcon sequel, which goes and kind of ignores some of the previous sequels that came before it. <clears throat> you, Ooh, you feel like, be... that? like I haven't seen it as much. So I, you know, I, I've watched it, but I, I haven't seen as deep into the Terminator series as this. But do you think that it goes through and kind of ignores or kind of doesn't really? Okay, well, those other sequels that came out later, like the the Genesis ones, and that those don't necessarily apply. I feel like the nature of the Terminator franchise is every single movie retcons every other movie. <laughs> That's it's like, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, like blame it on time travel or blame it on just like writing issue i don't i don't know yeah. what you want to blame it on but but in this in the storyline you could say that that's a that's a viable thing because every time you destroy a terminator 
you change the future, which changes the past, which, you know, so it, yeah, you could say that each one is its own. Yeah. I, I almost, I feel like it's near impossible though, to not retcon yourself with any sort of time travel movie. Like oh, yeah. it's, that's just what it is. You can't, right. it's, you can't really do that. Right. Except for back to the future. There you go. We'll talk, we'll be talking about back to the future this year too. We got a lot of good stuff uh, coming up down the line. Uh, Corey, what's your next one? Well, that it's funny you say Back to the Future because Back to the Future Two was, was my, my next one movie too. that I was picking. Nice. Wow! And uh, I think this movie I still to this day remember going to watch this movie in the theater with my dad, and we parked right next to a DeLorean in the parking lot that someone had come to watch this movie in. And there's a DeLorean. I get out. I'm looking at the DeLorean. It's this legendary car. And to see it in the theater, Back to the Future 2. At that time, all the things it predicted, the hoverboard. I was in high school and the hoverboard. I was, oh my gosh, that's the best thing ever. I wanted one. You know, and then the idea of going back to the past to give Biff the, you know, the Gray Sports Almanac. I think that whole series and everything they did with, with Back to the Future 2 was great. And then to get to the times where the Back to the Future has actually happened, the, the events the timelines and then find out we don't have hoverboards yet. We don't have flying cars. You know, we don't control the weather like that. I'm a little disappointed. Like what are we really doing as a species? Like exactly. Where are our priorities? Yeah. I mean, the Cubs won the world series. That's like the only thing they got right. Yeah. Like whatever you're doing right now, just like put it down and go invent a hoverboard. Yeah. Yeah. And then to see uh, Christian or Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, in the last, you know, six, seven years through these timelines have, uh, they've got together for little skits here and there or little moments where they're together. And it's, it's still a powerful reconnection of two of your favorite actors getting together in real life that, you know, are good friends, um, in real life. There's just a chemistry and a connection between them that I don't think, I don't think you could, you could argue very few movies are able to pull off that chemistry. Yeah. Justin, I realized that I skipped you. Oh, I'm I'm deeply offended. Uh, no, I was even trying to set myself up for the the uh, segue there by mentioning Back to the Future, and then Corey just comes in and boom takes it from me. Uh, but that was my next one, Back to the Future. Uh, and little no. side note: in so 2007 or 2009, I lived in Michigan, and John DeLorean, the inventor of the DeLorean, died in 2005, and I had a friend that dragged me to John DeLorean's gravestone. <laughs> like we walked around the cemetery for hours trying to find it so he could view the gravestone. Uh, That's the end of that story. I was just nice. really mad. I wasted an entire day. <laughs> I mean, not wasted, no. but but wasted. Gotcha. So what? Back to the Future 2 for you as well? Yeah, I got... Okay, the second one. Uh, two, 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 yeah. two. Okay. Two. Uh, Corey, Corey said everything. A fantastic yeah. film. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the theater and just being so excited about it and... It lived up to it. I love the fact that it went back over the first movie in certain parts. That was just kind of fun to see that from a different perspective too. Yeah, that was that was fun. We, we when I was a kid, we took a road trip. It was like a three hour road trip. We had like one of those DVD players, and the only movie we brought was Back to the Future Two. And for three days, that's all we watched in the car. I've seen that movie many times. Yeah. Uh, well, my next one is, is Top Gun Maverick, which we've already talked about at length. Um, an amazing film. I, I just, it gets better every time I watch it. I love it so very much. So I don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> so Justin, I'll go back to you now. What's, what's, uh, what's your next one? I'm, I'm actually out. We've, uh, we've covered, covered all yours, all of mine. Yeah. Cause we've doubled up on a couple of them. Okay. Corey, do you have any others that we haven't talked about? I do. I do. I'm going to go with, now this is going to be a little bit different. This is a sequel category, the reimagining where it's not a bad idea it was a franchise that's ripe for an update and they did this and I think it was incredible. So I'm going to go with not a movie, but a TV series that sequeled off and reimagined was Battlestar Galactica. The series reimagined those four, four seasons, which was not enough for me. I need more. I need a movie from this is what I need. Um, I think, I think to take a, a story in a franchise and then to continue that story or rewrite it with some of those favorite characters and to make it more modern 
and give it the CGI it deserves, the story arcs it deserves, to take it so that it's no longer just a two-hour movie, but to block it out over multiple seasons, which I think I love that kind of some of our favorite characters are doing that now, where they're becoming seasons and episodes instead of just a two-hour movie like Obi-Wan. Don't give me a two-hour movie with Obi-Wan. Give me an eight, you know, eight uh, episode arc of Obi-Wan that like that kind of thing is fantastic. And I think that's the way some of these want to go with some of these favorite characters. And so they reimagining. And I think Battlestar Galactus is an example that sets that kind of thing up where the whole story and the arc of all the characters and everything they do in there <clears throat> just takes it in a whole new direction, but at the same time keeps true to the whole story. I've never seen a minute of that. I know. I should. I, I remember watching the original one when I was a kid and, and enjoying it thoroughly, but I've never seen the the newer one. It's definitely a darker and a little bit more grown up theme for a lot of things, but it it is it is a absolute ex, like examines the human element of what you would go through in those moments. Yeah. There's some and there's some very powerful political messages that they throw in some of those episodes where they don't shy away from them of things you'd be forced to face. Okay. In that situation. As Cap would say, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> See, I just forgot, I forgot Falcon was introduced in that movie too. See? On your left. Um, so my number one was the Dark Knight, which we already talked about. My second from number one uh, is the Empire Strikes Back. Solid. Which is, in a lot of people's estimation, the best Star Wars movie ever made. Um and then it's at the same time, the darkest and the funniest in a lot of ways. It's not my favorite. My favorite is return of the Jedi, but I do love empire. And, uh, this is one I remember just about every year when I show star Wars to my students that a lot of them kind of have a hard time with a new hope. Cause I always start with four, but about halfway through empire, everybody's hooked. And it's one of two things. It's either Yoda or it's the Han and Leia romance. Hmm. which is it's just done so beautifully. It's it's so witty. It's so well-written. Um, you know, the movie's in kind of an inversion of the first film where it starts with a big battle and then it's kind of a character piece for the rest of it, uh, which is interesting. And then, of course, you have the great reveal, which I remember as a kid. Um, I think I, th- I thought he was lying. <laughs> Vader was Luke's dad. I remember being confused about a little bit about that and also how Luke could cut off Vader's head and him not be dead. Cause I didn't understand the cave sequence, but that's okay. Cause adults don't understand the cave sequence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I fully still understand the whole cave sequence, but as a four year old, it's definitely got a, a lot to chew on. Yeah. But a I, great film. I did not understand that cave sequence when I was a kid at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think you could probably argue that that movie has the best lightsaber battle in it as well. Uh, the cloud city fight, certainly my favorite. It's a good well, one. Yeah. I'll rotate for my favorite. Yeah. That's a hard, that's a hard one to, it's good. It's good. But yeah. especially I, in the carbon freezing chamber, just fantastic scene all around. Oh yeah. Just lots of emotion. So well lit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a great, that's a great sequel, like a simple sequel that just continues the story where the other one left off. We leave episode four leaves off. We go straight to episode five, next logical progression, get through it. But then also that's the type of movie that kind of made it to where you get the big setup for another sequel. Oh, we're coming back and there's right. going to be more. There's more to yeah. the story. And so you set that up because there's so many good movies that end and you're like, oh, I need more to this story. And that's that's one where you're you're left with such cliffhangers. You're you know, I got to have episode six. That drives. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like Han's gone. You got to bring Han back. Right. Clearly, there's going to be another movie. And we'd wait three long years for that, which I, I, I miss having to wait, which is weird to say, but I do. So we're running kind of shy on time. So we're going to kind of fly through some of the next few things. Um, We definitely wanted to spend the most of our time talking about the things we really like. Um, But I also wanted to ask if you guys, do you have any honorable mentions? And we'll just go these rapid fire all at once. Justin, do you have any honorable mentions for sequels? Um, I I don't. I mean, I have some, but we already talked about them. So they were uh, Terminator Terminator 2, essentially. Obviously an amazing sequel, but I I don't want to throw it in my top 10. That's fine. Corey, what about you? Any honorable mentions you just want to rapid fire go through? I got a couple. I got Kung Fu Panda 2. I love Good. that one. Good I don't one. tear up on that one. Rush Hour 2, Red 2, Crocodile Dundee 2. And wow. then uh, Avatar 2. I'm going to throw that out there. Soli's Vacation in SeaWorld. 
is, <laughs> is a good one. It's a good one. I was I was left thinking it's just a rebox of the first one, you know, but now it's right. underwater. Sully's vacation. So um, but it was good. And then yeah. I'm gonna finish with this one. Here's my honorable mention. Twenty two jump street jump street is you know, it's a good movie. It's you know, it's kind of that comedy that I like, action comedy, um, some fun stuff. But the end credits in that are absolutely incredible. And whatever, whoever the graphic designer was that made the fake movie posters for the end credits of 22 Jump Street must have had a ball. And these actors putting on the, the little skits they had to do to just film a 10-second spoof of what the next movie would have been. They go through and they list 23 Jump Street, 24 Jump Street, 25 Jump Street, like what the sequels would have been. And they're all different things. Like they're in Antarctica. They're in Russia. They're, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're going, they're in medical school. And so they're just going through all these things, making fake posters and a fake scene from each of those. So their end credits take the cake as far as a sequel that doesn't take itself so seriously, but then sets up like, oh, these would have been great sequels. Corey, I, I appreciate you coming in with the, uh, the comedic aspect of this. Cause I don't think Craig or I had any comedies on our lists. I've got a couple no, more, but I yeah. almost, Okay. All right, here's my honorable mentions. Uh, just rapid fire. Meet the Fockers. Good. Batman Returns. Ooh. Army of oh. Darkness. Ooh. Uh, Mission Impossible. I'm going to take Fallout because they just get better every time. Not two? Not Mission Impossible Ghost 2, Craig? Protocol? Mission Impossible 2 is, in my opinion, <laughs> the, weakest of the in- weakest film in the, in the series. I love I Fallout think, so much. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Oh. And I'm going to go, and Harry Potter and the Order of the, Order of the Phoenix, the fifth one. Oh, that was good. Ooh, I'm a little embarrassed we didn't mention any of those in our main lists. Those yeah. are amazing. Well, top 10 is kind of hard to crack into. It is, it is. Okay, so moving on. Just one. Worst sequel. No, oh, just one. Just one. We're gonna just do one for the each of the last few because we got we still got a, a movie to give away. All right. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go first here. No, I'm not. Someone else go. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. Go, go. Caddyshack two. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Yep. Justin, are you ready? Because I got one. I, I don't know. Do me last. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Teen Wolf 2. Hmm. And the reason for that is I love Teen Wolf 1. And the only I didn't see it in the theater because I was pretty young. And I saw Teen Wolf 2 in the theater and I was so excited for it. And it just is garbage. And they recast some of the some of the people from like the guy who played Styles in the first movie was recast for this one. And that just bugged the snot out of me. I was just yeah, like, I can't movie accept recastings like that. Can't do it. So. It's okay, Justin. If you don't have one, you just don't want to be negative. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I got it. I just couldn't narrow it down as the thing because they're, they're, they all just <laughs> fill hard. me with such anger. Yeah. All right. So I loved the original Mortal Kombat movie, 1995. Fantastic mm-hmm. movie. Well, maybe it's not a good movie, but I really liked it. Uh, and then they came out with, in 1997, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which was just, it just hurt me. And it was the first time as a child I was disappointed at a movie theater. Just made me so yeah. mad. And I'm, I would I agree carry, with that feeling. That's one of the first times where I remember adulthood. being disappointed like that. That is horrible. Yeah, with the, the first one was so good. And the second one, you're like, what are you doing? Just a money Why? grab. All right. Next category. Movie that didn't need a sequel and got one. So the movie itself is good. The sequel, completely unnecessary. I got one. Go. Space Jam 2. Space Jam 2, I love. Michael Jordan was good. Those athletes do not make the best actors, but Michael Jordan did it. Space Jam 2 was terrible. But they didn't need to do a sequel to Space Jam. They should have just left it off right there. Yeah. Justin? Could you repeat the category, please? Yeah, so movie that didn't need a sequel and got one. Okay, but not necessarily a bad sequel. No, yeah, it doesn't have to be bad. Just the fact that it didn't need one. I have a list on my rundown here of uh, spicy opinions. Uh, this spicy opinion is Die Hard 2. Because Die Hard was so good. So good. No, but Die Hard 2 didn't need to happen. Uh, this is a normal guy, a normal cop who finds himself in an extraordinary situation. The fact that he's going to find himself in that in an extraordinary situation a second time. Yeah. I just 
Yeah. And then as Corey is four more times mentioning four, three, four, four, five, six. And not not that they're necessarily bad movies, but I was happy with the first yeah. one. He flew a car into a jet. I mean, yeah. I think I yeah. think that movie Helicopter, yeah. Or into a helicopter, yeah. It's you know, it the thing about it is Craig disagrees with me on this because we've had this discussion. Die Hard Two, I didn't like it as much, but Die Hard Three I thought was fantastic. I so was both, it was the yeah, redeeming. But Die Hard Three is a better movie. Yeah, there's two. nothing wrong with the movies. I just First one was fine. Okay, here's mine. The Fugitive. <laughs> that was just a remake. <laughs> no, no. The Fugitive itself was a perfect movie with, with Tommy Lee Jones, Oscar winner from that film, and Harrison Ford. That is a perfect film, and we should do it at some point. It's it's amazing. Yes, and then yeah. they made a sequel to that, U.S. Marshals, which is which trash. Is, which is the same movie. It's with the bus. Or with if, the- plane? I, I forget. Yeah, I think it's a plane. But Wesley Snipes' okay. character is you know, wrongly accused. And, all, like, and I remember watching that and like, if they make him actually a bad guy, like a really bad guy, that would be interesting to watch Tom Lee Jones have to like battle wits with somebody who's like psychotic and super smart. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the same movie again. Just the same movie. Yeah. It's horrible. Okay. It's a standalone sequel. On a, <laughs> on a positive note, um, next category. This is the last one. Movie that needed a sequel and didn't get one. Oh. I think I know what Corey's going to say. This is my longest list. Besides yeah. Snyderverse. I'm going to stay out of the Snyderverse because I'm going to say everything in the Snyderverse needs a sequel. Doggone it. Yes, they do. But I'm going to stay just, out of there because that's so obvious. I'm going to go to some other categories here. Just one. Um, just one? Just one. I think, Corey, I think Corey's a little fired up about that topic. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, oh. I, yeah. Oh, dang. Well, besides Spaceballs 2... Which should have happened. The search for more money. I'm going to go with <laughs> District 9. Ooh. Oh, interesting. District choice. 9 is the uh, Charlton Copley's, or I, yeah. I, think, I think that's Charlton Copley, yeah. Is a great actor. Absolutely great. I love him in everything I see him in. And they did this movie, and it was such a great premise. And I'm waiting for the next one. Neil Bloomkamp, that's who it was. He needs to make a sequel. I need a sequel to that movie. I heard. I heard by looking it up this last week that there's rumors of another sequel, but I would love it. Yeah. Go, Justin. What's yours? No, I'm going to piggyback off, not piggyback, but Corey, have you seen Chappie? Yes. Isn't that in the same universe? Hasn't that been confirmed? Oh, I didn't know it was in the same universe. I think it's in the same universe. I might have made that up. I didn't Please see no one fact check me. Universe, just, that's more robotic. No, seriously, fact check us. Email us. <laughs> Let us Hit know. Us on yeah. Twitter. Someone out yeah, there. No, no, Let us know. Me. I I may I'm I might be making that up, but I'm pretty sure it's in the same universe. Or maybe they just I might yeah. make that up. Okay. I have about 14 other movies on this list of movies that I need sequels for. So some of those directors, but but I'm gonna let you guys go too. I know because well, we can spend the, a whole podcast just on movie sequels that need to happen. See, that sounds like a great category for you to start on the Facebook group, Corey. I think so. I'm gonna throw that out there. I'm gonna say that's it. what it's for. Extend the show like that way. Justin, do you have one? I do have one. Um, and my wife is sick of me talking about this because I've been saying it for years. Uh, Inception is a fantastic movie, but they talk so – it introduces you into this world where like this uh, dream heist is already like a known idea to several people. Uh, like it's known yeah. among the rich and famous. And there are even people like already lucid dreaming in that world. The technology already exists. They talk about how the military has done – um, like research on it and things like that. And we have all these relationships that had existed previous to inception. I would like to see that movie, not necessarily with the same cast, but with the same concept and like the development of what, what helps people yeah. uh, intercept and like dream heist and enter each other's dreams. I want to explore that that topic more. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. So Corey, my number one was, but I'm going to throw Zack Snyder's justice league is the one that needs a sequel. Absolutely. But, um, to give you another one, I'm also going to say, uh, alien covenant because I need to see that story completed. I want to agreed. Okay. So, as you guys know, we're giving one lucky listener, a digital copy of Avengers age of Ultron today. All you had to do was look for the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile and like and retweet the tweet to enter the winner of the digital copy of Avengers Age of Ultron is
Aaron at Goodbye Petrol. Congratulations, Aaron. Be sure to direct message us on Twitter and we'll send you the code for the digital copy. Nice job, my friend. Congrats. So, yeah, awesome. We'll have some more um, giveaways this year for sure. And as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com or use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. One last thing, our next episode will be a review of Superman the Movie with special guest Dan Zare from Coffee with Kenobi. Send us an email or voicemail about your favorite moments from Superman the Movie and we'll share it on the next episode. 